if you don't understand adoption, you don't understand God and you don't understand Christianity. The whole thing is about adoption. This is what we're about. And we're just trying to adopt more kids into the family. Welcome to Be One Make One, a discipleship podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. My guests today are Ben and Melissa Nugent. They've been trusting God to make disciples for 24 years. Their journey of adoptive parenting has shaped their view of God, discipleship, and themselves. Um, but yeah, let's kind of just dive right in. Um, why should anyone care about disciple making? <laughs> you want to take a stab at that one first? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say Jesus cared about disciple making. Okay. So whenever Jesus cared about something, it's a great reason for us to care. Just watching the life he lived and the way he spent time with his disciples, um, just living life with them, teaching them, walking along to you know, new cities, letting them observe what he was doing, all of those things. Yeah. Um, so that's where I would start is when Jesus does something, we should pay attention to it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think not only when he does something, but when he tells us mm -hmm. to do something. So I think mm -hmm. of the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28 in verses 18 to 20, where he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I think it's key there that he says he claims that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Right. There's nowhere else that authority can be had. It's heaven and earth. <laughs> That's all the authority. Yeah. And with all of that authority, he says, go make disciples. He could have said anything he wanted to, right? right. If he's the one that has all authority, he could have said, make sure everybody has clean water. He could have said, make sure everybody's in church on Sunday. He could have said all kinds of things, but he said, make disciples. So earlier, before we started uh, officially recording, we were talking about your family um, and you have two adopted kids. And you made a comment, Ben, about this is the way that God decided to design our family. So I would just love for you to kind of just expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, every seems like everybody who gets married, you have designs on, okay, well, we're going to have kids this many years into marriage and this is what they're going to be like and yeah. this is how many kids you're going to have and all that stuff. And none of that happened for us. The The way that we planned it was not the way that it came out. I, none of Neither one of us came into marriage thinking, oh, we're going to adopt kids someday or whatever. It was not even anywhere on our radar. And it was through some years of infertility that we started to even consider it. And we had a friend who he was a student in our ministry. And we got to be really good friends with his parents. And his mom was one of these ladies that just hears from the Lord. And, okay. you know, like when she says the Lord told me X, you listen. Okay. And she, she emailed us out of the blue and she said, the Lord told me that you need to adopt. Wow. And our first, yeah, our first reaction was, that's nice, Cindy, delete the email. You know, <laughs> like we're glad the Lord right, told you that. Sense. He hasn't told us that. <laughs> and so we deleted the email and <clears throat> shortly after, we were we had just moved to Florida and to start a ministry at the University of Florida. And we went to a church that we ended up joining later where the then CEO of Compassion International was preaching the Sunday service while we were visiting. Okay. 
And he gave this sermon out of Matthew 25, where when you care, we, we as believers need to care for the least ones, the lost ones. And when you do, that is like caring for me, Jesus, personally. Right. And so I remember just sitting there like this huge, like, burn in my stomach like uh oh you know cindy just emailed last week or two weeks ago we got the, what is happening right now and i i beelined for for him west stafford was his name and i said this was the most stirring message i've ever heard next to the first time i heard the great commission wow and i've given my life to see the great commission happen maybe the lord is telling me to do something and he's kind of looked at me. He's like, no, no regular people talk like this. You know, and it was just kind of funny. And he's like, well, OK, I don't you know, uh, you probably you know, if you're feeling it to this level, you probably do need to do something. So we began exploring adoption options. Yeah. In that journey of striving to build our family and it not turning out what we expected, that was a very pivotal moment for my relationship with the Lord because it was the first time I'd really wanted something that I thought I deserved and God wasn't giving it to me when I wanted it, which sounds sure. very much like a toddler. Um, <laughs> but You're up right. until that it point, <laughs> it had just kind of been smooth sailing, you know? So school was easy for me. I got into the college I wanted to go to. I dated, you know, I wasn't ever like, oh, I wish I had a boyfriend. I always had boyfriends. And then I met Ben and we got married when we wanted to get married and then we moved. And, you know, it was just kind of like the next thing I wanted to do. OK, it happened. And then I was like, OK, now I'm ready. I'd like to have a baby in about 10 months. So here we go. You know, it's time. And the Lord finally was gracious in saying, yeah, let's slow this down and remind you who's in charge of things, but it's not you. Psalm 16 talks about the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Hmm. And so that was real, yeah, just huge for us thinking about, okay, God's giving us some boundary lines that we weren't looking for that don't feel very pleasant. Can we choose to say his boundary lines hmm. are pleasant and that we have a delightful inheritance? Yeah. So yeah. that was a pivotal yeah. turning point for us, for sure. Mm -hmm. So with uh, with your son, Sam, you adopted him from Russia. Through that whole process of trusting God for adopting him, I know earlier you said that you visited him and then you had to leave without him and then come back months later. How was your relationship with God individually like changed through that? Yeah, yeah it was huge for me. I think Melissa was way more emotionally and spiritually on board with adoption before I was. Okay. And so, you know, I think there's just a lot of natural things. It's like, well, I'm a man and we carry on our bloodline and we carry on our name and right. just the things that are important to men just I think it's universal. Sure. And uh, so I really had to wrestle with the Lord. And I remember a specific quiet time. I can point you to the exact <laughs> place where I was. And the Lord said, well, is it your name that you're concerned with? Or is it my kingdom that you're concerned wow. with? And I was like, wow. oh. So for me, it was a lot of that family line, the bloodline versus the spiritual legacy that the Lord really convicted me on. Hmm. And I think for Melissa, one of the big things that changed for her was for a long time it was about being pregnant um, mm -hmm. and then it became being about a it became about being a parent and it's mm -hmm. like we want to be parents we don't we don't care if it's the pregnancy part so 
Okay. That was big for her too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, that was before social media, which, but I had lots of dreams of, oh, how I want to announce that I'm pregnant and we'll do this cute right. creative thing. And, you know, yeah. looking at friends' scrapbooks of their belly growing every month and those mm. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Switching to, wait, do I want to be a mom or do I really just want those months of pregnancy? Um, and in a lot of ways, I got to skip some difficult parts of it. Sure, totally. <laughs> I did tell Ben I thought I should get as part of a budget. Like I didn't ever have to buy maternity clothes. So did that mean <laughs> that I got extra clothes? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a real shift for me. Similar to getting so excited about planning a wedding, but forgetting that marriage is really the end goal at the end mm. of all of that. And, you know, yeah. people can get really caught up in all the details of just that wedding day. Right. And that felt similar to me for mm. I want to be a mom for a lifetime. How that happens you know what that looks like I can flex on that with the Lord yeah and so with uh, your second kid Vivian there's a lot of special needs there Mm -hmm. so what's what's the journey been like for you guys having to you know that wasn't something you maybe expected and then it's there like what's that been like yeah Yeah, I think it's been another great reminder that we don't get to write our own story (laughs) that God is the author of our story and that's true whether you adopt whether you have biological kids I mean there are plenty of people that give birth to biological kids with special needs every day so that's not um, unique to adoption but I think yeah a good reminder that we can't craft everything so perfectly to try to avoid pain or struggle and so even in adoption even in thinking oh we can read a little bit about her history and make an informed decision that won't be too hard on us you know that god had different things in mind of wow there's a lot more going on that you're not going to find out for a while (laughs) until you've already committed to her and um Yeah, so it's been beautiful and hard and there's tears and there's lots of laughter and she (laughs) is probably the funniest person I know. Um, And yeah, so it's very it's impossible to imagine our family without her now. But I think, um, yeah, God, there's a reason God doesn't tell us what's coming. (laughs) There's a reason why we can't see the future. Hmm. And I'm sure we would have run the other way had we known what was coming. And that's true probably for a lot of us in our journeys with the Lord, if you could see what was coming, you would be scared and you would stop and you would go a different way to try to avoid with infertility and adoption and special needs parenting. None of those are ministries I wanted or would have chosen, Mm -hmm. but God's done some really cool things through them. Wow. And Vivian brought a dynamic as an Mm African-American into our home that we had never had to wrestle with before. White people from the Midwest. That was our reality. And uh, though I grew up in Chicago and I grew up in a very like diverse place with students and, you know, in my high school and all that, we had never really had to wrestle with the reality of what a multicultural family would be. So the the (laughs) things that we wrestle with on on a daily basis with, you know, how do we shape the identity mm-hmm. of an African-American woman in our culture today. Wow. I remember being on a spring break trip <clears throat> as a college minister several years ago before we adopted Vivian. And but in the Lord's grace, we had a few African-American students joining us on that spring break mission trip. And one of them was sitting in the front seat with me on the way home, like a seven hour drive. <laughs> And I was telling her, I was like, Christine, I'm really worried about this. Like, you know, we've been matched with her. We haven't, we hadn't yet said yes. 
And I was like, I'm really concerned. How do I shape the identity of an African-American female in, in this culture today with the stereotypes of black women, the, the all of the things that surround this stuff? Right. And she was just like, no, you don't worry about that. You shape her identity in Christ and the Lord is going to take care of this other stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, I mean, I. <laughs> She's like 19 years old and I, you know, sure. I'm supposed to be discipling her and telling her how <laughs> things roll and she's telling me and it just, that moment expanded my view of the kingdom so much more. And so it just, it made me, I wouldn't say like confident in my ability to shape her identity, but it was, all right, Lord, this, we're going to do this and we're going to do this together. And you're inviting me to a partnership with you the same way in disciple making. Right. Uh, this is not my endeavor and parenting our children is not my or our endeavor alone. The Lord, these are the Lord's children and he's invited us for this time to be their parents. And that, that helped me understand that. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Melissa, you mentioned that you've seen the, these aren't the ministries you would have chosen for mm -hmm. yourself, but you've seen God do some amazing things. I'd just be curious, what have been some some of those amazing things that you've seen? I think, um, yeah, walking certainly when you're working with college students who then get married and, you know, are yeah. young couples and then want to have children themselves. The number of stories, infertility is much more common than people maybe realize it is. Hmm. So I think us being very open about our journey and sharing the difficulties and the struggles has made people feel a lot more comfortable to come to us, ask questions yeah. or talk about it, or yeah. we can ask questions in a way that doesn't feel judgmental, but just, right. hey, we've been there, we know what this is like. There've been beautiful, hard conversations, lots mm. of tears, mm. but I think just being able to authentically walk alongside women in their journeys has been yeah. wonderful. I think adoption for us too, for me at least, infertility, yeah, we, we went through it, but it wasn't like an identity attacking thing for me as a man. And yeah. so, but adoption, I wouldn't say necessarily attacked my identity. It certainly altered my identity and my view of my identity. And really, it really helped me to understand this is the gospel. This is disciple making like what we are trying to do with with younger people all over the country is help people be adopted into God's kingdom and then help those adopted children adopt all the kids into the kingdom. Like that's pretty much the whole thing. Right. And that's pretty much what disciple making is, is like an older sibling who's in a family with a younger one who gets adopted. And uh, the older one kind of takes the younger one under his or her wing. Okay, hey, in this family, dinner's at six. In this family, no, you can't lie to mom and dad. In this family, you know, mm. all the things. That's what disciple making is. Right. And so when I thought about, when I think about adoption, that it really is the message of the kingdom, that, that the, mm. the king of kings, the Lord of lords, wants me, this sinful kid from Chicago, to be his son. That's the gospel. I'm, I'm glad you, 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 you say that, Ben. It sounds like for you guys, discipleship is really just the way that you're living your life. Yeah. And I feel like at least I've had my own journey of wrestling with discipleship is this or isn't this, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. How, how would you say that? Um, how do we keep discipleship from just being like a to-do list thing? Yeah. And instead, yeah. How do we grow in that? Yeah. 
I think for me, I, I always bristle when I hear somebody talking about like a discipleship program okay. or something like, and I'm just like, oh, you know, it just makes my <laughs> skin crawl when I hear stuff like that because it's not a program. Hmm. This is this is our life and our life, wh whatever my vocation is, I live in a neighborhood with a bunch of people who are harassed and helpless and they need Jesus. Hmm. and. To my knowledge, we're the only ones who know Jesus in that neighborhood, so we we are there for that specific purpose. Yeah. And so, so for me, it is our life. It is bringing somebody into life with us, and us entering into their lives with them. And it's it, it's dirty, it's messy. Yeah. It is not just read some book on discipleship or disciple making because those two words get all wonky right. in our culture. And yep. even the word discipleship has been sort of co-opted. And I I think really what we're trying to do is invite people into this life the way that we've invited these kids into our family and like you mm. are our family you we are together disciples of christ and how do we help one another so so to me it's not programmatic at all so for for any christian that is wanting to grow in disciple making in discipleship that kind of thing how how would you encourage that person to grow to continue to grow their heart for discipleship do you have a thought on that one Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this stuff so much. So and yeah. it's what I think about so regularly that I think the most important thing to understand in this arena of disciple making is anybody can do it. It doesn't take a pastor or somebody who went to seminary. You don't have to have a guitar to lead worship. You don't have to have <laughs> a booming preacher's voice. You don't have to have any of that. And I love this in Matthew 9. We've already referred to some of this. But he, what he says here, he says, he said to his disciples in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. And worker means common field hand. That's all it means. It doesn't right. mean some special skill. I remember when I was in college and one of my fraternity brothers was a farmer. He was a hog and bean farmer in central nice. Illinois. I'm from the city, so I'm like, <laughs> what is your life about? And we, he would he would tell us, you know, hey, we need to go to the farm this weekend and can we, uh, you know, we can help dad out. And I'm like, I'm gonna go just to see right. what this is. Oh man. And so I remember <laughs> standing in the middle of a bean field or at the edge of a bean field with this guy's dad and his dad hand me this stick with a nail on the end and a uh, like a leather satchel and he's like you're gonna walk the beans and i'm like i don't know what that means man <laughs> walk the beans <laughs> yeah walk the beans walk the beans. yeah and he said so here's what walking the beans is and he looked at me like what is this city slicker doing on my farm you know go back to the city but he just said you pick up rocks and you pick up rocks with your hands and you put them in the bag and then you take the stick and if you see a weed you pull the weed and i'm like man i don't know the difference between a bean and a weed <laughs> so he showed me and at that point i was trained to walk beans common everyday regular people it took him about 30 seconds to train me that's what we mean when we mean disciple maker it's common everyday people who can do this yeah ah, love that um, so I'm curious, what what are some maybe disciplines for each of you um, that really keep you walking closely with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I have recently started reading the Bible chronologically. Um, 
I just started the New Testament this fall and then I'll start the whole Bible next year. And that's been really fun. Um, I listen to a podcast that goes along with it. And so just feeling like I'm part of a bigger group of people that are all reading that same plan huh. has been fun for me. Yeah, I'm a pretty disciplined person. So okay. I do better with like, hey, here's what I'm going to read this day. Or I have a plan <laughs> for the year. I don't do so well with the... You're not like a Holy Spirit, do, no, lead me. <laughs> just open me. the Bible to some random passage. I tried to be like that. I've tried different seasons. Like maybe that's more spiritual if I just... <laughs> open it. It doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a discipline to get up before my kids get up, you know, right. with a mom as mom. It's hard and I like sleep and I don't ever get enough of it. But I think just making that choice to get time with the Lord before my kids are up and the crazy day starts yeah. makes such a difference for my mindset and refocusing and hearing from the Lord. Um, so that's big for me lately. Mm. That's one piece. Cool. Yeah, I'd say one of the things that uh, for many people, when they if they know me, something that I practice is uh, personal retreats that are in silence and in solitude. And most of the time they also in, uh, include fasting. And so I am a raging extrovert and I love <laughs> being around people. And I just want to like I could do this all day, every day. Right. Let's talk about the Bible and do this. Yeah. But we years ago we i started a rhythm of withdrawal in my relationship with the lord where i would just go somewhere and be by myself with my bible in my journal for two or three days in silence and in solitude and recharge the batteries and by the end usually i'm like okay i gotta go find somebody i gotta find somebody <laughs> to talk to who can, you know who's around here i don't care who it is you know and um but th that has been a meaningful discipline for a long, long time. I've got one scheduled here in over the Christmas holiday. I can't wait and I'm looking forward to it. That Those have been very meaningful uh, kind of practices that I've tried to instill in my life to continue yeah. to stay connected with Jesus and not just out there in like, quote unquote, output mode all the right. time. Because that's easy for me to fall into. Sure. Same. Yeah. 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 Um, great. Well, do you guys have any like thought you just have to get out there. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, especially for moms who might be listening, it seems almost impossible to try to add anything else into your life or how in the world would I find time to disciple someone. Right. Um, but just thinking of uh, spiritual conversations and just being with people right now, two of the people I spend the most time with are my kids. And so thinking about I'm discipling them and I'm investing in them and they're, you know, when I'm having my quiet time, my daughter is often grabbing her Bible and sitting there with me and, you know, wanting to do <laughs> it alongside awesome. me. So just they're watching and they're hearing what I'm talking about. Hmm. I have spiritual conversations with moms at the end of the street when the kids are all out riding their bikes and we're all out there standing watching and just thinking, how can I guide this conversation? What kind of spiritual question can I be asking? Yeah. What can I be sharing? So I'm not necessarily looking for some two hour appointment to add with someone outside my home weekly. It would be great if I had time for that. But um, especially moms with young kids at home, I just really want to reassure you can be yeah. discipling others too. It just can look really different. And mm -hmm. who can you bring alongside you? How can you have a spiritual conversation with someone you're already engaging with? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good stuff. I got one on adoption that's just been burning in my brain. Yeah. Okay. And, and so in J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, he writes about adoption. 
and mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect that from like an old crusty British <laughs> old guy theologian, but he writes about adoption and he says the entire Christian life must be understood in terms of adoption. Hmm. And I my added commentary on that is if you don't understand adoption, you don't understand God and you don't understand Christianity. The whole thing is about adoption. This is what we're about. And we're just trying to adopt more kids into the family. Like, And we're not the parents. That's Jesus's responsibility, not ours, but we're like the older siblings. Hmm. And so when I think about disciple making, it is that older sibling coming along the second or along the new one. And that's I mean, so that for me, I just had to get that out there because it's such a huge piece of the way I think about it. Yeah. So how does that then affect how you share the gospel? Like, how has that changed as a result? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think I used to think uh, that it was I'm on this like salvation mission mm-hmm. and I'm out there to convince everybody like, well, you're going to hell and you need to not go to hell. So you should <laughs> believe in Jesus rather than. And, and, and sometimes that message is just fine. And for some people, they need to hear that. And sure. it's, it's great. I think generally now in our culture, that is not really a welcomed message. Um, So the the message really about adoption connecting to our identity, because all around us, young, old, everybody in the middle, they're in a they're in an identity crisis and they're Hmm. looking, where do I belong? Hmm. And well, you belong with Jesus because he's the one who made you. He's the one that created you and you belong with him. So if you're not with him, it's it's like a magnet without a piece of metal to stick to. And that is what for me the gospel is. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at navigators.org. Elise Stone is our editor. Our sound engineer is Caleb Zier. Adabel Artiga is our creative director. Our producer is Austin Dafko. And I'm your host and producer, Ethan Hasso.